This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket, ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday. We've got rainout news to tell you all about if you're looking for the Chicago Cubs coming up in just a bit. Game one against the Pittsburgh Pirates in this three-game series. No surprise. It's been rain-moved, not rained out. Was it last week, Kara, when we gave the incorrect information on the show that the game that got pushed back, like, to May 31st or something like that? Yeah. 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 Yep. Sorry. This one is just getting pushed back six hours. So tonight's game between uh, the Cubs and Pirates, which was supposed to kick off, uh, what, at 120 or something like that tonight, or this afternoon, is actually pregame 620, 7.05 for the first pitch uh, with Pat and Ron right here on ESPN Des Moines. And then, of course, tomorrow, same... Basically, same times tomorrow and Sunday, 12.45 for the pregame first pitch, 1.20. That's tomorrow and on Sunday between the Baby Bears and the Buckos right here on ESPN Des Moines. So now we got that out of the way, and I can confirm that we're right about that. <laughs> because in previous shows, I have butchered the makeup time. Uh, I'm right about this one, finally. So uh, if you're looking for the Cubs coming up this afternoon... Mother Nature here in Des Moines, this whole thing, they have forecasted that's going to hit the north side of Chicago, so they pushed it back again. 6.20 tonight, pregame, 7.05 first pitch, right here on ESPN Des Moines. You know, the big, there's so many big sports stories to get to between now and when we're out of here in an hour. Um, there is actually a boxing match I care about, which rarely ever happens anymore these days, but it could be the, the, the final curtain call for one of the all-time greats. We'll talk about that. We'll get to the big names in the NFL who are holding out this week and what it means uh, because there are some wide receivers out there that will look very nice in Green Bay Packers colors for my squad um, and maybe your team if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan or whatever. But I want to start with the story that went viral yesterday morning and into the afternoon, and that is this is a quick lesson. We have a, a, a new staff member here. Chris is here, an, a Northern Iowa grad. He just started here. He's learning the ropes. Chris, I'm going to give you some advice, all right? Don't fight Mike Tyson. Even at 55, do not fight Mike Tyson. All right? Got it? Thumbs up? Okay. That's all the career advice you need here on your first day in studio. There is a list. I probably couldn't make a very long list, Kira, but there is a list of 55-year-old men I would fight before I would fight Mike Tyson. He's 55. All right? Did you see the video of what, he did, what happened to him yesterday or, I... or two days ago? Mm-mm-mm-mm. All right. So Mike no. Tyson picked... Picture Mike Tyson on a JetBlue flight, all right? Mike Tyson's flying back from San Francisco to uh, Florida. He was in California for a 420 event, of course, and he's flying back to his home in Florida. And I don't know if it's 420, bro, if it's White Claw, bro, if it's had too many Tecates, bro, all of the above, bro, but bro is sitting behind Mike. And you can tell just in the short video that has now been seen millions of times, Mike's not having it. The guy is talking, 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 talking. You know how annoying it is when you're like, your friend is sitting in the row behind you or your family member is sitting in the row behind you and then they stand up and they just, they want to talk to you. Imagine a stranger and you're Mike Tyson. You've been dealing with this since you were the U.S. Olympic champion back in the 1980s throughout his entire boxing career, pre and post jail. And then the resurrection of Mike Tyson, which happened, I think, because of the hangover uh, and all the things that Mike Tyson is, you know, he's, he's been on the, the, the Comedy Central roasts. He's just, he's Mike. He's Mike Tyson. We forget about all the nasty stuff that got him in jail and the drug use. So Mike's leaving California. The guy's talking to him. And his buddy, the dude's buddy, is sitting across the row recording it. This is George talking to Mike Tyson, bro. This crazy, bro. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson trying to give us some shrooms. What? You don't know how to act. Tyson looking out, man. This crazy. He should have never gave you his money. Peasants. Peasants? Peasants. And then right here. There you go. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, Mike, Mike. Come on. Let's go stop back. Let's that blue net flight, we just got beat up by Mike Tyson. Turn that way. Yeah, he got f***ed up. I don't know how big Mike is anymore, but I'll tell you what. I watched him fight Roy, jo- Roy, Jones, Roy Jones Jr. about a year ago in a celebrity charity event. You may, maybe you watched that. And Roy Jones was a very accomplished boxer and one of the great light heavyweights of all time. Mike is one of the hardest hitters in the history of boxing. 
And at 54, or whatever he was last year when they fought, you could see the difference between old and retired Roy Jones and old and retired Mike. There were times when you could see Mike, and it was all for charity, you know, old guy boxing, celebrity boxing or whatever. These guys aren't fighting, you know, Vladimir Klitschko or any of these, you know, they're not trying to go out there and beat Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury. But Mike still had that fury, that uppercut. He hit Roy Jones a couple of times, and I'm like, he's going to kill that man. And he probably held back. In this video, and again, with the, the middle part, after the guy gets done talking to Mike, you hear somebody saying, hey, 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 Mike, 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 Mike. Tyson has stood up at that point, has turned around, and is wailing on this guy who, is tr- who just had to annoy the crap out of him. And I don't blame Mike, because the guy probably just kept chirping, 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 and saying all the wrong things. He looks like the kind of douche that would do that kind of thing. Like, if you saw the video of him, you know how it is, Kara. Both sides of his head are shaved all the way up. He's got, like, a tight, like, affliction shirt on or whatever. <laughs> oh, God. He is that side. I know that guy. That guy is the guy talking that guy. to Mike Tyson. You know what you do? You say, hey, Mike, big fan. Do you care if I get a picture? And that's where you end it. And if he says no, you don't force it. Hey, Mike, can I get an autograph? And that's where you end it. If he says no, you don't, you don't force it. That's where it ends. That's the end of it. The, the screwed up thing is he said yes. Yeah. He, yeah. he took a picture with he, the guy. Yeah, he, he would have been like, cool, let's take the picture. And then that's it. So whatever he said that ticked Mike Tyson, Iron Mike, Kid Dynamite off, Mike spun around and then started wailing on the guy. So they, you know, the flight doesn't leave. Police come in. They escort both of them off the plane. I don't know if the, if the flight got delayed, if they had to catch another flight. I don't know any of that. What I do find interesting is, so far, and this probably will not last, so far, the dude hasn't pressed charges. His face, the side of his head was cut up, like right here where his temple is, or above his eyes, maybe above the cheekbone, I guess. I don't know what you would actually call that. But that's where the damage was done. And can you play, like, the last, like, five seconds of that where the guy's buddy says, turn your head? <laughs> See, if you can play just the last... blue man flight. Boy just got beat up by Mike Tyson. Turn that way. Yeah, he got f***ed up. It's such a dude thing to do. Hey, 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 Turn your head. I want to see where Mike Tyson hit you in the face. I want to get a picture of that. I want to make sure that's the image that goes to TMZ. And maybe, just maybe, and somebody said this to me earlier when I was talking about it over on Laser. A guy called in named Mark, and he said, that guy planned this. And maybe he did. You know, maybe the plan was to get punched by Mike Tyson. He's 55. He's still got it. If you watch the video, he's swinging. He's still jacked. And there's still a little bit of crazy in Mike, I'm sure. But but Mike, I don't know if Mike knew he was getting set up to be... A viral sensation. I mean, Mike's got millions of people who have tried to get him to, to fight, or he's got thousands of videos that are out there, and he's all over YouTube. You want to see a video of Mike Tyson doing something stupid? You can find a video of Mike Tyson doing something stupid. I guarantee it. And that doesn't even include the legal battle he had back in the 90s. But this guy knew what he was doing. He wanted to be viral. And guess what? Everybody was talking about this. I mean... I follow a lot of sports websites, a lot of sports outlets on Twitter. I follow a lot of political stuff on Twitter. I shouldn't, because politics drives me insane. I also am addicted to it. And I follow The Hill, which is a, a, a news outlet out of D.C. The Hill was talking about Mike Tyson. Not just a boxing site or ESPN or Sports Illustrated, but when The Hill tweets out about Mike Tyson getting into a fight on an airplane... That's because Tyson's one of those guys. His lore is bigger than just what he did in the ring. Jordan's that way. LeBron's that way. Tiger Woods is that way. There are certain guys in history in sports that it's just, it's not just what they do from a physical standpoint. Like Muhammad Ali was a global icon. Muhammad Ali did what he did in the ring, but then there was everything else around Muhammad Ali. Uh, Mike Tyson was a phenom in the 1980s. What he was doing to people, I remember watching him fight Michael Spinks 
and he beat him in 90 seconds. Spinks had never been knocked down. You know, then Mike Tyson's punch out the game. I had it for Nintendo growing up, and I was a little Mac. I could, I think I might, I may have knocked down Mike Tyson like once or twice in my entire punch out career. Could never beat him. Could never beat him. That's a big deal. I, I, I but it's so, because you can't make a single mistake. If you can survive the first, like, minute 10 against Mike Tyson in that game, you can actually hit him, and there's a pattern, but then he comes back out of nowhere and hits you with a super punch, and you're done. <laughs> and I could never, ever beat Mike Tyson. I don't know how any of my friends ever did it. It still bothers me to this day. But then Mike goes to jail. Then Mike gets out of jail, and he beats Peter McNeely, and the legend begins to grow again. Then he bites Evander Holyfield's ear, and then you're starting just to see the decline of Mike Tyson, the boxer. And then he's in the Hangover movies with the Tiger, and it's like, ah, oh, it's Mike Tyson, because every guy behaves that way. The way that dude behaved on the plane is the way that so many of us would behave from the movie The Hangover if we were drunk in Vegas, blacked out, and wound up with Mike Tyson's Tiger. Yeah, it'd be scary, but we'd be like, we got Mike Tyson's Tiger. Like, this is kind of cool. He has just become that kind of a global icon. If you ever listen to any podcast where he's a guest of, like, uh, Steve-O from Jackass has crazy party stories with Mike Tyson partying in the Hollywood Hills. And it's like, man, he's just, he's like, Bo Jackson was that way. Babe Ruth was that way. Just guys with stories that are bigger than what they actually did. But I'm telling you right now, again, I go back to my original point. Don't fight Mike Tyson. You're not going to win. I don't care if you're 22 and he's 55. Especially don't fight him on a plane. I know the goal was to go viral. I am very aware what the goal was by this bro in California. Getting back from a 420 event. Don't fight Mike Tyson. All right? That's it. Don't fight Mike Tyson. I'll get to more boxing. I'm actually intrigued by a boxing match that is happening this weekend, which I may have to figure out a way to watch because it could be the last time we see this guy. He'll probably win. He's probably a huge favorite. I haven't checked any of the sites to see what the number's at right now, but we'll get to that. Straight ahead, though, college football is making changes to rules that they are going to screw up anyway. I'll tell you about it next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. I was in Jeff's crib one night about eight. And we yep. were watching a couple of Mike Tyson fight tapes. Jeff was like, man, you see how hard Mike's punching? Come on, Jeff, the other guy was just lunging. Left, right, left, right, another KO. If that was me, I'd have been okay, though. The very next day, I gave Russell a ring with JL and Lior. We all called Don King. I said, yeah, John, I got a problem. Tell him, friend. Yeah, what's up? What you saying? You trying to solve them? Forget the small talk. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. Me and Mike, two months. Trump, Atlantic City. Yo, you got this. You want to bust dude up. Yeah, you can be my trainer. Word up. I'm rough like a freight train, smooth like ice. And yo, Jeff, wait up. I think I can beat Mike Tyson. There you go. Yes. Kira. Coming with the old school DJ Jazzy Jeff in the fresh <laughs> I think you were about a decade away from being born before that thing, before that thing got released. Because re when I saw the video of Tyson, and I'm not going to spend a lot more time talking about Mike Tyson, but that was the first thing I thought of. Like, Will Smith, who was back then DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, was the, uh, the duo. I think I can beat Mike Tyson. And I love the first 30 seconds there. Talks about, like, fighting at, at the Trump Casino in Atlantic City. There's a picture of Don King in the music video. Uh, they're talking about old tapes. None of those are a thing anymore. <laughs> the Trump Casino in Atlantic City is not a thing. Nobody watches old tapes of anything. I don't know if Don King is alive. Can you see if Don King is still alive? Do you know who Don? Oh, you're. Do you know who Don King is? By the way, uh, I assume a fighter of some kind. A boxing promoter, <laughs> the only in America guy, only in America. Will Smith. Uh, he can beat up Chris Rock. I know that. I don't know if he can beat up Mike Tyson, but I know that the Fresh Prince can beat up Chris Rock. You'll be happy to know Don King is still alive. Don King's still alive. 85. Mm -hmm. Is he 85? He was born in 1931. So 22 minus 31. Chris, you're fresh out of college. What's the answer here? <laughs> he is 22 minus 31. 91. Wow. Man. Don King's still kicking it. 91. 
had no idea. Don King, still alive at the age of 91. All right, uh, if you are tuning in for Cubs baseball coming up later today, just a reminder, they have postponed the game to later tonight because of the weather we're getting right now making its way towards Chicago. 6.20 for the pregame tonight. They are going to play baseball tonight, assuming the weather doesn't hang around in Chicago. Game one against the Pirates, first pitch at 7.05. Both games Saturday, Sunday, 12.45 pregame, 1.20 for the first pitch here. Each and every Cubs game right here on ESPN Des Moines. Coming up, I am going to get to a boxing match that is actually happening this weekend. Kira wants me to talk about what happened on my birthday this week. All right, we will get to that. Um, the new thing on social media that's really pissing me off. I don't... The new thing? There's a, something new that has started this week. It's all because of what happened Monday. And what, what's just, we'll get to it. I promise I will get to it. Also, uh, got to talk about A.J. Brown, Jeremy McLaurin, Jeremy McLaurin, uh, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, and Debo Samuel, and what is going on with those wide receivers coming up as well. We'll get to that. So college football has taken it upon themselves to make some rule changes, and if there's anything I ever have zero faith in, it's the NCAA to get anything right. Uh, one thing they are going to try to get rid of or try to fix is targeting. And if you don't know what targeting is, Basically, you can't use the crown of your... You can't launch into somebody and use the crown of your helmet to attack somebody, uh, you know, uh, at the top of the face mask, above the level of the top of the face mask. The rule writes, the portion of the helmet above the level of the top of the face mask, that's the crown, so you can't use that into somebody else's body, whether it's the chest, the head. Obviously, you can't hit the head in the, in the world of college football in any way whatsoever. So you can't launch which they define as a player leaving his feet to attack an opponent by an upward and forward thrust of the body to make forcible contact in the head or neck area. Uh, a crouch followed by an upward and forward thrust to attack with forcible contact at the head or neck area, even though one or both feet are still on the ground. Leading with the helmet, shoulder, far forearm, fist, hand, or elbow to attack with forcible contact at the head, neck, or area. Lowering the head before attacking by initiating forcible contact with the crown of the helmet. Basically, they don't want you using your helmet as a weapon. That's, they don't want you to use your helmet, the top of the helmet, maybe even the front of the helmet, up like where it starts to bend back to the top. It's so weird to talk, figure this out. They don't want you to do that. And that's been a rule for a while. Now, targeting to me should be reviewable by every official on the field, whether or not something... Re and they re To me, they really truly need to reshape this rule because if I'm running at you, and you're set to throw your shoulder, your right shoulder, all right, at you, at, say, your, your, your sternum. And you take a step to the right to try to avoid me. Now, my head, which was lined up left of your body, is lined up into your body. So because you turned into me to take a shot at the moment I'm going to throw my shoulder into your sternum, now I get called for targeting. I hate the targeting rule. I understand the meaning behind the targeting rule in college football. I get the fact that we are trying to keep players safe. Both the tackler and the tacklee are both trying to keep those people safe, those guys safe. But when you see stuff, football is so fast, faster than it has ever been. Guys are moving at speeds we had never even fathomed 30, 40 years ago. It's crazy how fast, even in college, guys are moving. And when a, what is a launch, a lunge, a lean? Does it depend on where the other person is? When, that, when I take off, I hate it. But that's not... <laughs> and the college football is like, hey, we got we to take a look at, at targeting this, this time around. They didn't even look at revamping the definition of the launch, the crouch, the leading with the helmet. No, college football got together... And they changed three rules that you care about. One of them is the targeting rule. Now, it has nothing to do whatsoever with the actual hit. They are changing the ejection suspension rule. The NCAA announced that its Playing Rules Oversight Panel approved several rule changes effective this year. Most notably, players who are ejected for targeting, which you get a 15-yard penalty and you're bounced out of the game targeting. If you get bounced in the second half of that game, 
The old rule was you're out for the first half of your next game, which can suck. You know, you're making, especially if it's a big time moment, you're tied, you're going in to make the big hit two minutes to go, pow, you get hit for targeting. Now you have to sit that next first half. The new rule is you can appeal that. Whoopty freaking do. Whoopty do. This doesn't change the fact that targeting is not ruining college football, but the way it's interpreted, that is what bothers me about college football. So now, between the game in which a player gets ejected and the next game of which they are supposed to miss the first half, now they can appeal it. They'll look at more replays. They'll send, you know, to the commissioners. They'll go to, you know, whoever, the, the deans, the athletic directors, whatever. They'll get on the phone with the NCAA, and they'll ask for a review. If, the, if it is obvious that a player was incorrectly penalized for targeting, the call would be overturned and the player would be cleared to play the first half of the next game. I don't like, I don't like it whatsoever because to me, what they need to do is really back off these targeting penalties. They, they, the, the game of football is violent. It sucks um, when you get called for targeting and your guy is gone for the rest of the game. So I, I think that the NCAA... And what's going to probably happen here, I'm telling you right now, the NCAA, this rule will get abused. Because right now, it's determined that if the targeting penalty was inaccurately assessed, the suspension for the following game can be overturned. But what good does that do? What if my star player is going to be able to... What if my star defensive player gets a targeting penalty? I lose the game because I lost him. Let's say it happens in the third quarter, early third quarter. Now I've lost him for all of the third, all of the fourth. I'm going to lose him for the first half of the next game, most likely. But what if they go back and look at it and review it on a Tuesday? And they're like, you know, we made a mistake there. Well, what good does that do me when I just got beat by Nebraska or I got beat by Ohio State? What good is your oops? This happens in, in pro sports a lot, too, especially in the NBA it happens a lot of these times in college football where it's like, well, after review, the Big Ten officials have gotten together and determined that uh, an incorrect rule was made. It should not have been a pass interference penalty or it wasn't a fumble or it was a holding call. Well, what could, get the call right. We got 65 officials in every game. We got camera angles all over every stadium. It's unbelievable. Get, it, get the call right. Other rules they are changing or they're looking into to make changes I mean, I, I like this one, uh, faking injuries, because you'll see this a lot. When a team is rolling on offense, making a big, they start at their own 20, first down, first down, first down, and the pace is quick. They get the ball snapped real quick. The other team doesn't know what's going on on defense. We don't have any timeouts. You'll often see somebody go all soccer and just pff, fall down for no reason. You're like, what happened to that guy? And the answer is always cramping. It's always, you can't deny if a guy's cramping up. You can't say your leg's not cramping up or you're not cramping up. You can't say that. The guy just might be dehydrated. So you have to stop the play. It slows everything down. The defense can get back over on the other sideline. The coordinator can throw in signals. It, 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 it's annoying, especially if you're that other team, the team that is rolling. Players have been faking injuries forever, and they want it to stop. Anytime a player goes down with an injury, an injury timeout is awarded to that player's team stopping the play. As a result, there have been a lot of people just whoop, falling to the turf with an injury that, shockingly, they're able to overcome 30 seconds later. Oh, the play has stopped? All right, let me get up. It's just like in soccer, except, you know, with soccer, it's the most egregious acting. Woo! I'm not a, I'm not a soccer guy. I tried. I've been to soccer bars. Not a fan. Not a fan. Now, uh, teams are awarded an injury timeout through if uh, teams that are awarded an injury timeout through deceptive actions can be reported and investigated. Schools and conferences will be able to report questionable scenarios to the national coordinator of officials. That'll, this is going to get so this is going to be such an abomination as well. 
They're going to review and provide feedback to the conference for further action. Any penalties levied would be up to the conference office or school involved. So basically, what it's going to be is Penn State's playing Iowa. Penn State fakes an injury. They're going to review it. What are they going to do? Find the school. Oh, man. What are they going to do? Find the school $10,000? Is that what they're going to do? I mean, they're not going to take away a scholarship because old 22 faked cramping up his leg the first time. Maybe after the fifth time. Maybe after the sixth time. Maybe after the seventh time. Whatever. But they're not. And, and Penn State, Iowa, uh, Nebraska, Michigan, everybody in the Big Ten makes millions and millions of dollars. You're not going to hurt these schools because old 22 faked an injury on third and six. The NCAA's uh, football rules committee considered making the requirements longer than just one play that players have to sit out, which I think actually would be a pretty good idea. If your guy fakes an injury right now, or if your guy is, air quote, injured, he has to sit out one play. Make him sit out five. Make, make that dude sit out five plays before they're allowed to come back in. So again, the NCAA trying to fix things, but doing, I think, the wrong thing, the wrong way to fix things. You know, I, I look at the, uh, the, the fake injury thing. I look at the targeting thing, and I'm like, you're not getting, you're not going to, this isn't going to change things. Teams are still going to fake injuries. Targeting's still going to happen, even though guys aren't really trying to launch themselves into other people. And then I don't like this rule change either. Now, this goes along with, kind of with the targeting rule. So, if you watch the ACC championship game last week, or last year, Pitt and Wake Forest played, and Kenny Pickett, who is probably going to be the first or second quarterback taken six days from now in the NFL draft, Kenny Pickett takes off. He's a quarterback. He takes off from, from, uh, after the snap, runs up the right side, and he did this. For the Panthers, Pickett, a very good runner. Don't sleep on those legs. Oh, he faked the slide. So, if you didn't see the play, he faked a slide in college football and in the pros, but specifically in college football. When you begin to give yourself up, you begin to slide, nobody can hit you. It's for the quarterback's safety. It's for everybody's safety, all right? So, when I've never seen this before. Pickett goes down, drags his right foot. You see all the broken pieces of tire pop up that drag, you know, the field turf? Everybody on Wake Forest defense stops. Pickett just picks right back up and goes, and he rushes 58 yards for the touchdown. They have outlawed the fake slide. The Kenny Pickett fake is now out. You're not allowed to do that. This is, again, this, I kind of like the fake slide. But from the other standpoint, from the Wake Forest defender's standpoint, how are they supposed to know when a quarterback is giving themselves up? I don't necessarily... I'm a little old. I kind of like when guys get hit because <laughs> that was a football I grew up watching. But from the Wake Forest standpoint or from the other defender's standpoint, it's like, listen, we were not going to hit you because you were making the motion, the known motion that we have been seeing now for 12 weeks of the season and our entire collegiate career and probably high school that if you as a quarterback begin to go down, I'm not going to hit you. The fake slide was brilliant. It abused the rule. It was a loophole in the rule. I love it. Now, it's going to be, it, they would have, if this happens again, they're going to rule the ball dead right where the quarterback begins to slide. It's the, you know, feet first slide. The ball should be declared dead by the on-field official at that point. How do I know See, what sucks about this to me is if my intention is if I'm rolling out and I'm a quarterback and I don't want to get hit, but I see a bunch of green, maybe about half a second before I start to take that, that knee, that muscle memory of the slide, I see a ton of grass open in front of me. I see a blocker coming from my right-hand side. Now I want to pop back up, but I've already started the intention. I don't like it at all. I think there's too much gray area. I think the NCAA is making a mistake here. Um, but, again, both sizing it. Remember both sizing last week? Terrible thing to do in sports radio. You're supposed to have strong opinions and stay right with them. But I understand why the NCAA is doing it because the rule is in place. 
defense don't kill the quarterback. If he's going to be out there in the open field, then he's going to slide. So there's a couple of rules that I don't like. I do agree with this. There's a couple of blocking rules. You can't block um, below the waist unless you're a lineman or a stationary back. I mean, you can't run out and block anybody outside of the tackle box um, unless you're a lineman below the waist. That's for player safety. I'm totally fine with that. Also, defensive holding will remain a 10-yard penalty and will always come with an automatic first down. So there you go. We got baseball going on. We got the NBA playoffs. And I'm like, hey, let's talk about Mike Tyson fighting on a plane and then college football, which doesn't start for another four months. But it will soon. It will soon. I will get to uh, what is making me mad on social media that I'm seeing far too many people do. My 420 birthday that happened. Also, McLaurin, A.J. Brown, and Debo Samuel. What is going on? That's next. You're listening to Wicket's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. It's Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket's. Here, be honest. Do you, as a, uh, a person with zero kids, do you enjoy seeing people show you pictures and videos of kids, I, of their kids? I honestly do. Okay. I All really right. do. Because uh, at the end of the day, uh, I, I felt this way babysitting too. At the end of the day, I'm not legally responsible for them, but I can enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> I just played a video of other, my child. Other people's kids are very, very cute. I wasn't sure if you were entertained or annoyed by the fact that I showed you that video of my child no. saying I love you. It was so cute. Uh, okay, so if you're tuning in for Cubs baseball, it was supposed to, we were supposed to have coverage starting in 10 minutes, but Mother Nature has postponed the game to tonight. So you'll still have Cubs baseball here on ESPN Des Moines. It'll just be a little bit later. 6.20 tonight for the pregame, 7.05 for the first pitch, and then two games this weekend Cubs and Pirates, weather permitting. I don't know what the weather is going to be like in Chicago over the weekend. I know it's going to be up and down here in Des Moines. 1245 for the pregame. 120 first pitch with Pat and Ron. Both games right here on ESPN Des Moines. So we are six days away from the NFL draft. There have been so many, so many people out there with sources and stories about wide receivers that are out there, that are available, that are not reporting, and everybody is talking about, well, this team is a possibility for this guy, and this team is a possibility for this guy. I'm going to focus on three here. I spent a lot of time last week talking about DK Metcalf to the Packers. Check out last week's podcast over at ESPNDesMoines.com. Just click on the Wicket's World page, also on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. So three guys decided that they were going to sit out this week for voluntary workouts. Wide receivers, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, and Terry McLaurin. And all three are on teams that are rumored to either not want to even talk about a big deal or not interested in giving a big contract to these three guys who are all part of the 2019 draft class. Going into their last year, they want big contracts. They just saw Devontae Adams get traded from Green Bay to Vegas and got a mega contract. They just saw Tyreek Hill get traded for five picks from Kansas City to Miami. Mega contract. Uh, Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. Mega contract. Chris Godwin, Tampa. Mega contract. Mike Williams with the Chargers. Mega contract. So these guys all want that mega contract money. And honestly, they are probably worth it as much as those guys. Um, the first name to discuss is Debo Samuel, who according to every rumor out there, wants out of San Francisco, you can argue that last year, Debo Samuel was the most valuable non-quarterback not named Cooper Cup in the league. And if you want to say he was more valuable than Cooper Cup, I'll listen to the argument. I'll disagree with the argument, but I'll listen to it. Cup won the Triple Crown. But Debo was used in so many ways. His, that's, a, that's when the value conversation begins. What's valuable yeah, Cup's stats were great, but he also had a great quarterback throwing him the ball. If you took Cup off that offense, Stafford probably, Woods got hurt, OBJ came in, but there's st probably still a really good offense. When you have Jimmy Garoppolo throwing you the ball or handing the ball off to you, as it was uh, with Debo Samuel, it's a little bit different situation. So Debo was used in a variety of ways. 
outside in the slot. He was lined up in the backfield. I mean, he ran the ball almost as much as he caught the ball uh, in San Francisco. But ESPN's Jeremy Fowler says that things have gone sour out in the Bay. Debo Samuel's a guy in his prime, top 10 weapon in the league. Mm. Usually, these things work out. You get your contract, you get your money. 49ers <laughs> like, look, we will pay you. Let's work some out. He's like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to leave. Like, it, it's pretty massive news. It's sort of, I, I don't want to say it's unprecedented because guys do request trades, and, and if they're uncomfortable with their contract situation, they want to move on now more than ever. But this is unique. I mean, the 49ers want to do it. He's a perfect fit there. Like, just three months ago, we were talking about, hey, how great it is that you're this hybrid running back receiver, and he seemed to embrace it, and the 49ers were having fun and knocking off the Packers, and it's just all gone sour. I mean, he's right. And if you're Debo Samuel... If you're the Niners, you're like, wait, 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 wait. We, we had a good thing going last year. We're going to figure the quarterback thing out. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo's not the future. We, draw, we brought in Trey Lance. Why do you want out? Well, he is telling everybody in San Francisco that he just doesn't want to play for the 49ers anymore. And Lewis Riddick says the trade talk is real. I'm going to take Debo at his word because, you know, whenever you speculate as to what exactly is going on, I think as, as we've seen, you know, players in front offices are not shy about calling you out on it and saying, well, you don't really know what's going on, so don't speak on what you don't know. So I'm going to take Debo at his word. If he told Jeff Darlington he asked San Francisco to be traded, then he has his reasons as to why. And I think those are all personal to him, to the 49ers, and to whoever the people are that are closest to him. I don't know what the going rate is going to be for Debo Samuel. But I would put him and Tyree Kill in the same conversation as valuable wide receivers. And remember, the Dolphins acquired Tyree Kill from the Chiefs for a first, a second, a fourth, along with a fourth and a sixth. So is Debo Samuel, let's say to my Green Bay Packers or the New York Jets, who are in the market for a wide receiver, is he worth that big of a haul? I, I don't know if he is. I don't know if any of these guys are worth that. I don't think Tyreek Hill was worth what the Dolphins gave up, but the Dolphins were desperate. They want to play. They want to see it at the big boy table in the AFC East. They got a new head coach. They're giving Tua every opportunity to, to be the man. But I don't know if Debo Samuel is worth any of that or all of that. If you're a team, there are, I think the Jets have two first-rounders. The Packers have two first-rounders. The Chiefs now have five in the first 100, which is, which is pretty impressive. If any of those teams want to add somebody, then the other question is for a guy like Debo Samuel, um, what are you going to do with this contract? Because he's going to want a contract that is like Tyreek Hills, that is like uh, Devontae Adams, that is like Stephon Diggs, that is anywhere in that 25 to $30 million a year range with a lot of it guaranteed. Debo is going to be 27 this year. You know, last week I talked about D.K. Metcalf. I'm going to get to A.J. Brown. Both those guys are 24. That's three extra years of tread on the tire for some guys that can put up huge numbers. You know, if I'm Green Bay and I'm, and I'm on the phone and I don't think there's any reason for an NFC team to help Aaron Rodgers, but if I'm Green Bay, I get on the phone and say, I'll give you uh, 28 and 53 because they have the 28th pick. They have the 53rd this year. I'll give you 28 and 53. Is that enough? Is that because it just feels like a lot for a guy who's 27, who has already come out this week and said he wants to play more of the traditional wide receiver role. Well, he had to play running back a lot last year because every t uh, San Francisco running back got hurt last year. As a fan, I would listen. Your window with Aaron Rodgers is this big. If you're a Packer, you, you if you're a Packer fan, you don't have a five-year window to win Super Bowls. You don't know if Rodgers is going to be around in three years. You know you got him for one, and maybe you have him for one after that. And then who knows? What's all in? You can find a young player at 22. Maybe you find a young player in the second or third round with all your extra picks. Another guy out there is A.J. Brown from Tennessee. Also 24 years old, the youngest of all the wide receivers that people are talking about. A former pro bowler. There's more from Jeremy Fowler who says A.J. Brown's not going anywhere. 
It's actually pretty stable there in Tennessee from the fact that A.J. Brown has been in touch with people there. He's talked to coaches, like things are good. There's no vibe there that he's not going to be there long term. So if you're Tennessee and you're a Titans fan, there's relief there that that can get done. It's not like the Debo Samuel situation where it's all falling apart. And also, Diana Rossini was asked about all three wide receivers, you know, McLaurin, A.J. Brown, and Debo Samuel. I think this deal gets done. I think it, it works out. You know, you have these three receivers from this 2019 class that all want to get paid. They got one year left on their contracts. You've got Debo. You've got A.J. Brown. You've got Terry down in Washington. All three want to get paid. And from what I can gather, all three of those teams are open to keeping those guys on their roster and want to pay them. So, obviously, a trade is always on the table, right? The teams are going to have that option. But it, they all want to lock these guys up. Yeah. Listen. If they can get a boatload of if you're a team right now and you can get five picks just like Tyreek Hill uh, brought back in a in a hall with the uh, the Dolphins, you do that. You 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 can figure out ways to find more wide receivers. And on the other end, if you're the Chiefs and you're watching how good the AFC has gotten all of a sudden, Russell Wilson's in your own division. Deshaun Watson's likely going to play a lot this year. Burrow's back. Lamar is coming back. Josh Allen is ascending. You may have to pay up some of that draft capital, which they have, and figure out a way to pay a receiver a lot of money. Look, Green Bay was going to pay Devontae Adams a boatload of cash. They're going to pay him more than Vegas did. He just didn't want to be in Green Bay anymore. So as we sit and wait six days out, all these teams with draft capital, win now, win later, who's going to make the move? Who's going to be, be, uh, pull the trigger to bring one of these guys in? Coming up, there is a boxing match, an actual heavyweight boxing match I care about. I cannot believe it. It's happening this weekend. I'll tell you about it and what I'm really sick of seeing on social media. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One hundred two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. What's up? Cubs baseball has been pushed back. You were perhaps expecting to hear Pat and Ron call the Cubs and Pirates in Game One of the three-game series coming up today. Right now, no six twenty tonight. Bad weather. They pushed it back out of precaution. I don't know what the weather is like right now on the north side of Chicago. Seven oh five first pitch tonight, and then tomorrow twelve forty five one twenty twelve forty five pregame one twenty first pitch. Same thing on Sunday. All the Cubs games right here on ESPN Des Moines. There is a boxing match I actually care about. And Tyson Fury, who I, when I first watched Tyson Fury, the heavyweight champion of the world, when I first watched him fight, I was like, this guy's not going to do anything. He's a big dude. He's kind of fat, huge arms. He's like six foot seven. All right, he's an absolute monster of a human being. And what he has done to Deontay Wilder a couple of times um, has just been incredible. And I remember watching uh, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fight back in, uh, was it October, when he knocked him out. Wilder somehow staying on his feet, taking supernatural strength. Foot nine and fought that fight at 278. 278 pounds. I think he weighed in at 264 for his big fight tomorrow night. Uh, and at 32 years of age, I think he is going to be done after his fight tomorrow night. He's fighting someone named Dylan White. I don't know anything about Dylan White, uh, but they're fighting at Wembley Stadium tomorrow. 94,000 tickets have been sold. It is the most ever for a boxing match in England. 94,000. I got to imagine that's the most ever sold for a boxing match, right? I've abs- most, I have no idea. But 94,000, they're fighting at Wembley. This fight's at 1 o'clock our time. I love that because sometimes... On a Saturday night, you watch the fight, it's in Vegas, like the undercard starts at 8 or 9, and the big fight doesn't happen until 11, and then you're, you're not going to bed till after midnight because it was a good fight like Wilder and Fury. That last fight was great. This is a fight I definitely want to see if I can catch uh, somewhere tomorrow. 
because I think you can argue that Tyson Fury is one of the all-time, if not greatest heavyweight, and I'm not prisoner of the moment guy. I mean, he's never lost. He's 6'9". I was asking uh, after that big fight, you know, what, what would Mike Tyson do? Think about it. Mike Tyson is 5'10". Generous 5'10". He's 5'10". Kira, how tall are you? Chris, how tall are you? I am 5'3". You're 5'3". How tall are you, Chris? 5'8". So imagine someone 6'9", staring you down, who weighs 278 pounds. Um, Mike was fast, but would he ever be able to get close enough to Tyson Fury at that size? I mean, he made Deontay Wilder look small, and Deontay Wilder was 6'7", 240. He just leaned on him. And he throws just these these haymakers. And it's tough to... to I mean, I, I know people have their favorites. The older generation, whether it's a George Foreman or a Muhammad Ali. You know, you can bring in Rocky Marciano if you want to. But, man, watching Tyson Fury fight tomorrow, he has said, is going to be his last fight. Now, money always talks. He's going to make $29 million tomorrow, regardless of what happens. If he can make $33 million, I think, if he knocks him out or whatever. But... There will always be money on the table. And again, he's only 32. So you could see another one when there's an Anthony Joshua fight later this year that could unify all four major championship belts that he could hold. But uh, tomorrow afternoon, our time. Either at noon or is it 1 o'clock? I can get that one on my phone somewhere. All right, so Kira, I turned 41 on Wednesday on 420. I didn't imbibe. You know, when you have kids, you can't do anything like those. Not that it's legal here, so we would never encourage anyone to do anything like that uh, here in the state of Iowa. You know what happens when you're 21 or even 31 on your birthday? Wicked. I, mean, I was at the bar. Um, like, my Facebook memories popped up, and there's one of me and my wife, then girlfriend, several years ago, doing shots of tequila, and the sun was still up. <laughs> That is not a thing anymore. <laughs> All right. At 41 with three kids who are three, two, and two. And I do the morning show on laser. I'm always tired. There was just nothing about Wednesday that I'm like, woohoo. Like, what are the highlights? Maybe the highlight? My oldest had a doctor appointment. My, my wife took her to her doctor's appointment at 8.30 in the morning. And then after that, I got off the air and I met my wife, our nanny, and the three kids at McDonald's. On University and 50th. That's what we did for lunch. That's where we went. We went to McDonald's. And the kids loved it. And the kids got nuggets. And the kids got ice cream. And 31-year-old Wicket would have laughed and said, what are you doing? But 41-year-old Wicket was totally fine with it. <laughs> totally fine with it. And then um, my mother-in-law, sister-in-law, brother-in-law, and their two kids came over. And we did a thing. And Leah said, so what do you want for your dinner? And every year... I get Arby's. I know. I know what you're you're, think, you're You're in your car right now. You have the same look Kira has on her face, and it's like, really? You're picking Arby's. My mother-in-law even sent a text to Lee, and she said, you know you can pick something else, right? You can pick something nicer. And I said, no, it's fine. I'm a basic dude. I just want roast beef, curly fries, and a vanilla shake. Yeah, but... That's what I want. Arby's Wicket? Yes. yes! You can get roast beef, curly fries, and a vanilla shake at a nicer fast food place. That is what I like, Kira. Okay. It was my birthday. Maybe on you your birthday. Right. On your birthday, we can go to Potbelly or wherever you want to go. On your birthday, we can wind up at Wahlburgers or whatever it is you want to do. But on my 41st birthday and 40th and 39th, it was Arby's. That's where I'm at. That is where I am at. Uh, speaking of where I am at, so something is going on on social media that I hate. And the old, the old and busted me, <laughs> I used to politically fight with people on social media. Terrible idea. I don't recommend it. I think it is poisonous to your mental well-being. If you see someone, if you're on one side and the other person is on the other side and all of a sudden, 60 Facebook comments later, now you're pissed off at your aunt or your uncle because they like the other guy or they like this guy, don't like that, whatever. I don't care. It's so annoying. But I'm past that. The new thing on social media that I hate, the new hotness, 
people who say The Batman was a bad movie. People who do not like the Robert Pattinson movie, The Batman. People thought it was crap. People thought it was boring. People thought it was horrible. People thought it was terrible. And it's because it just dropped on HBO Max this week. That is the reason why my Facebook and Twitter pages have more than I want to see of people complaining about how bad The Batman was. The Batman was great. The Batman is brilliant. It's nearly perfect. And I would argue it as the best Batman movie ever. And if it's not, it's just behind the Dark Knight. Robert Pattinson was very good as the Batman. All of the characters, I, it was dark, it was grimy, it was dingy, it was vengeance. It was such a different spin, and I enjoyed it immensely. And the people were like, it was boring. I, my question is, what about it being boring, Gen Zers? Did you not like? Because it wasn't bright, because it wasn't fun. You're the same people who think there needs to be a pitch count in seven-inning baseball games. You people don't have any taste whatsoever, okay? Not everything has to be fast-paced, bright, and happy. It was dark. It was grimy. Could it have been ten minutes shorter? Yes. Could the hospital scene have been a little bit quicker-paced? Okay, I'll agree with you on that. But overall, stop posting that the Batman was a bad movie because it was great. Did you see it, Kara? I haven't yet. I know you told me to. Kira, you had homework three weeks ago. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Story of my high school life. (laughs) You work in the promotions department around here. I do. We have a stack of digital (laughs) downloads of the Batman that you can. For me? I got one you can have. All right. I'll give you mine. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, How much time do I have? Like 20? Oh, man. Anybody else see what I saw when I went to Hy-Vee? Did you see this? I put this up on Facebook and Twitter. There's the OJ and Lemonade section. has an entire row in between the OJ and the Lemonade at a Hy-Vee in West Des Moines. It's all Tito's Vodka. Mm-hmm. Good job, Hy-Vee. Props to you. Save me a trip. Liquor. Di- Which way do I got to go? The liquor aisle or the, the juice aisle? I'm right here. Hy-Vee. Smile down every aisle. <laughs> Getting it done. Kira, you rock. Thanks for letting me be on the air. Thanks for keeping us on the air. Great job, Chris. First day. You're doing a great job. I'm, I'm Mike Wicked. This has been Wicked's World here on ESPN Des Moines. We'll talk with you next week.